This is Glenn Scrivener, and uh, it's great to be with you. I'm, I'm not being rude by putting my phone over here, um, but my wife is uh, very heavily pregnant. Um, don't let her know that I said heavily. Um, and uh, it, could, it could be any minute, so we, we could be celebrating a couple of nativities uh, this evening. We've got the donkey saddled out back, and uh, we're, all, we're already, um, all ready for another kind of birth. Brilliant, uh, brilliant to be with you. As I begin to speak a little bit about my experience of Christmas, I'm guessing my experience of Christmas was perhaps a little different to yours growing up. I remember uh, when I was young, I got up so early in the morning, not just because I was really excited about the presents, but because the sun is up so early, isn't it? I mean, it's one of the longest days of the year, isn't it? Christmas Day, as the sun... What are you laughing at? The sun blazing in through the curtains. You remember that as you're growing up? And I remember I'd, I'd get up in the morning and I'd have a, a traditional kind of Australian Christmas breakfast, maybe some pineapple or a mango, something really tropical. And uh, our family would go to church on a, on a Christmas day. And so I, I remember my mum specially ironing my favorite surfer T-shirt just so I could go and my board shorts. And uh, we'd come home from, from uh, church and... Uh, we were a bit of a, a traditional Australian family, if you can kind of have such a thing. It's kind of, kind of a contradiction in terms, isn't it? Traditional Australian family, more like a military intelligence, you know, traditional Australian family. We'd, we would actually have a hot Christmas lunch, uh, like a roast. Even though it was 40 degrees outside, sweltering in the heat, we'd still have a roast. Although we wouldn't have turkey. I mean, honestly, and, and if it wasn't for a massive amount of cultural pressure, you wouldn't have turkey either, would you? I mean, unless someone's got a gun pointed at your head and forces you to have... I mean, there's a reason we only have turkey one time a year, isn't there? There's, a, there's absolutely a reason. I mean, they, they say that Death Valley in California is the driest place on planet Earth. That's wrong. The driest place on planet Earth is your mouth five seconds after biting into turkey breasts, isn't it? It's like the, it's like the food equivalent of a dehumidifier, just sucking the moisture out of every molecule in your body, you know. Am I, am I wrong? But who, who here actually likes turkey? Do we, do we have some? We got a, oh, come on. You don't really. You've been brainwashed. I'll get, I'll get loads of people afterwards saying, oh, no, my wife does it just right. And, you know, ordinarily it's really dry. But if your wife can make turkey taste good, she could make sawdust taste good. I'd, I'd eat sawdust, too. If you serve it up with wrapped in bacon with stuffing, that'd be fine. Around, around Christmas lunch tables in this country, uh, every, every person will, will bite into that first, first bite of turkey and they'll go, oh, Marilyn, you've outdone yourself. This, this is wonderful. Is there any more gravy? Can we just keep the gravy coming? Just to swallow down this dry cotton wool. Uh, anyway, I've, I've said enough about turkey. That's, that's not what I was going to talk about. But um, in Australia, that's right, that's what I was talking about. In Australia, we don't tend to have turkey. Um, but we don't, we don't chuck another shrimp on the barbie either. I just want to disabuse you of that notion. Maybe, maybe we might have a sort of a seafood platter type thing. Uh, we wouldn't put a shrimp on a barbie. You might put a king prawn or a crayfish or something like that. And, and then we'd go for a swim. And, uh, and then we'd round off Christmas Day with one of those traditional Australian carols. Uh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Christmas in Australia on a scorching summer's day. Jingle bells, jingle bells, Christmas time is butte. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a clapped-out rusty ute. Um, that, was, that was my Christmas growing up. And, and as I say that, I can, I can sense in the room, you're all sitting there saying, that's wrong. <laughs> that's, 
that's not how Christmas goes. You're ruining it. You know, I've, I've lived in England for sort of half my life, and uh, it's always amazed me that the, the English can understand all sorts of stuff about Australia. You're very understanding. You're very forgiving about all sorts of stuff about Australia. You've forgiven us for Danny Minogue. And once again, we're very sorry for her. We'll try not to do it again. But you, you forgive a lot about Australians, but you can't understand one thing, and it's a hot Christmas. It doesn't seem right, does it? To have Christmas in the sunshine. Actually, nope. <laughs> nope. Actually, I think you might be onto something. I, I think actually, according to the Bible, actually, Christmas is meant to happen in dark places. Did you know that? Christmas is meant to happen in the valley of the shadow of death. Actually, our first reading, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, was written by a prophet 700 years before the first Christmas, and he prophesied that first Christmas. Uh, the choir actually sung that Isaiah 9 reading. Do you know the wonderful counselor, the mighty God? And all the men said, the government shall be upon the show. It was wonderful. I loved that bit. I was almost joining in. They, they probably didn't want me to join in for, for good reason. But it's, it's that, that gift of the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. That's what the baby is. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. That's the Christmas gift. That reading begins with those walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep shadow, a light has dawned on them. What is the light? The light is the Christmas child. But what is the context? The context is darkness. And actually, all the Christmas readings are about darkness. If you sort of go through all the famous classic Christmas readings, Luke's gospel, everything's happening at night time, and then the angels come and the glory shines around. Or at the end of Luke's gospel, it talks about those walking through the valley of the shadow of death. The light has dawned, and it's the light of Christmas. Or John chapter 1, our, our, our last reading. We just, we just heard these words from John chapter 1. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness. Christmas is for dark places, actually. So as much as in Australia we kind of celebrate our sunny circumstances at Christmas, far, far more Christmas is about a celebration in the midst of darkness. And another worldly light has dawned. The light of Christ. And I think we need to hear that, especially if, if you've had a lousy 2014 if you've had it's a terrible 2014 and you can't wait to get to 2015 because it's got to be better than this last year, don't, don't you feel a real pressure when Christmas comes around to be joyful, to sing joy to the world with, with, with a heart full of praise? And don't, don't you feel the real pressure in the culture to be on top of the world and, and saying, I wish it could be Christmas every day and inside you're dying? You know, isn't, isn't that really hard? To be in a dark place at Christmas? I, I want to say to you that actually the true Christmas in the Bible is meant for dark places. The true Christmas can handle dark times. And that's really important because the world is a really dark place. Really dark place. We've seen that this week, haven't we? Not only in, in Sydney where I grew up, but in Peshawar, my goodness. 141 people gunned down in a school. What is it about Christmas time and, and these things come up? Remember, remember Sandy Hook? Or remember the Boxing Day tsunami? What is it about Christmas and then the suffering world? And you think, well, how does joy to the world go together with suffering? Actually, in the Bible, suffering does not take Christmas by surprise at all. The context for Christmas is suffering. Did you know Jesus was born in the middle of a genocide? Do you know that? 
In Matthew chapter 2, King Herod, he's really nervous about there being another claim to the throne. And so he, he orders a genocide in Bethlehem. Every baby under two is killed. Jesus narrowly escapes a genocide. That's, that's like day one of his life. He's born into a genocide. He's born into the valley of the shadow of death. Because here is, here is someone who can handle the darkness. He can handle your darkness. And, and we all need that at Christmas. You know, at, at Christmas, I read a statistic this week, 500,000 elderly people will be alone this Christmas. Uh, 90,000 children will be homeless this Christmas. And this year, as every year, 500,000 British families will lose somebody to death. And there'll, there'll be a, a place at Christmas lunch and an empty chair and somebody who's conspicuous by their absence and you will really feel it. You'll really feel it, especially at Christmas. You need to know that Christmas is for dark places. Into the valley of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. There is a light that can handle darkness. And his name is Jesus. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. What kind of light can Jesus bring? Well, let me, let me put it this way, from John chapter 1. That was our final reading. Let me, let me summarize that final reading for you. Someone from the ultimate family joined our family so that we can join his family. Okay, that's, that's it in a nutshell. That's Christmas in a nutshell. Someone from the ultimate family joined our family so that we can join his family. Okay, and as, as I sort of mentioned family, sort of Christmas is kind of a time for family, isn't it? And it's really interesting at Christmas when you talk to people about what's best and what's worst about Christmas. It's so interesting. It's always the same answer for, to both questions. <laughs> like, what's best about Christmas? Oh, what's greatest about Christmas is family. You get all the family in under one roof. It's fantastic. What's hardest about Christmas? It's family. You get all the family under one roof. My goodness. It's just, don't we all have those sorts of experiences? I mean, I, I very much do. I'm on this continent. My dad is in America. My mum is in Australia. And my sisters are sort of scattered across Australia. We just about get on at Christmas on three different continents. You know, bring us under one roof and it's World War III. You know, Christmas can be such a hard time. And, and yet there's these two different, two different ideas of family going on at Christmas. On one level, family is the greatest thing. On another level, we know that family can be the worst thing. And actually, as we think about the true Christmas story, we're thinking about the ultimate family that's wonderful. And then somebody from that ultimate family, I'll tell you who this family is in a second. Someone from that ultimate family comes into our dysfunctional, broken, dark family so that we can join him in his family. Let's think about the two different families. The first family we're going to think about is our family, our dysfunctional family. I'm not just talking about my nuclear family now. I'm talking about all of us. We all live in a dysfunctional family. It's called the human race. And actually, when John talks about the darkness that we live in, John doesn't just point the finger out there at all the bad things that happen out there. He also points the finger in here at the darkness that is within us. And John says the key thing that you can look to to say that there's a darkness to the human heart, the key thing is when the Son of God came to planet Earth, we didn't want him. We did not receive him. Though he was our maker, though he was the light of all life, we sort of stood with arms folded. We didn't want Jesus. You know, that, that whole thing in the nativity plays where, you know, one kid loves to play the, the innkeeper and he can say, no, no room at the inn, yeah? 
he, he kind of stands for all of us. You know, when the Son of God comes to planet Earth, no room at the inn. Not for me, thank you very much. And you think, I've, I've never done that to Jesus. Yeah, you have. Yeah, you have. I was speaking to a student just this, uh, a couple of months ago, and, uh, and I, I talked to her about the, the truth that wouldn't it be amazing if the Son of God came to planet Earth so that you could know who God was? Wouldn't it be amazing that you could get to know the God of the universe? She said, that would be really inconvenient. I said, inconvenient? She said, yeah, well, I just want to live life the way I want to live life, you know, and, and he might have opinions about how things should happen. It would be really inconvenient if God showed up. I think that, that girl is just being honest. Isn't it really inconvenient for the Son of God to show up? And actually, though he comes among us, the natural posture of the human race is to fold its arms and not receive, not receive the gift of the Lord Jesus. That's kind of part of our darkness. According to the Bible, the, the human race is a little bit like a Christmas tree. We've got a couple of Christmas trees here, and I was, I was very happy to, to hear that they're both real Christmas trees. You believe in real Christmas trees here. That's good. Um, who here has a real Christmas tree? You got, yep. Who here has a fake plastic Christmas tree? Wow, that's almost like half of you. But it, it, perhaps, is it more environmentally? It's the environmental angle you're going for, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, obviously. Obviously, environmental angle. Well, I'm very glad, I'm very glad to see that here, here, we've got, here we've got a real Christmas tree. Let's tell the story of the Christmas tree. Um, about a month ago, an axeman went into a woods and in the name of Christmas joy, hacked that tree to death, didn't he? showed it no mercy, just severed it at the root and wrenched it from its natural habitat. And the minute, the axe man or axe woman, the minute that happened, that tree died, right? That's a dead tree we're looking at. You know that, don't you? That's a dead tree. It doesn't look dead. It looks alive and verdant and alpine fresh and covered in bling and you know, decorations and lights. And fa- it looks fantastic, doesn't it? It looks fantastic. It's, de- it's dead, though. It's absolutely dead. And you'll have to hoover up the needles, and there'll be a bit of brown, and you'll just move the tinsel on top of that, and that's fine. And we'll, we'll just keep celebrating. And at some point in January, what are you going to do with this tree? Are you going to honor this tree forevermore? Are you, are you going to coat it in bronze or something and put it up somewhere? Are you going to erect a plaque to the tree forevermore? Are you going to bury it ceremony? You can just chuck it out. You're going to chuck it out. According to the Bible, the human race is like that. The human race is like a a tree that's been cut down. And we're like branches in a tree that's been cut off from its life source. We've all been cut off from our life source. We don't know God. We just don't know him. There's been a disconnection between us and God. Everyone in this room knows that there's been a disconnection between us and God. I bet everyone in this room has prayed before. I bet you've prayed before. Maybe someone will come up to me afterwards and say, No, no, I I felt like praying once and I stopped myself. I never prayed. I don't know. I reckon you've probably prayed. I reckon you've probably prayed. And everyone in this room has had the, the, the sense that the prayers just bounced off the ceiling. That there's been no connection whatsoever. I loved seeing, there was a, a Spike Milligan documentary on, on, on TV recently. They're, they're replaying the old Q episodes. He's one of my favorite uh, comedians, Spike Milligan. He, he's the guy who, on his uh, tombstone, he wanted to have the, uh, the, the epitaph, See, I told you I was ill. Um, so Spike Milligan... He, once, he was once asked, Spike, do you ever pray? And Spike said, yes, I do pray desperately all the time. I just have no idea who I'm praying to. I've actually known many people who have said those exact same words to me. Pray all the time. 
I've got no idea who I'm praying to. That's, that's the human condition, really. Disconnected from God. And if you're disconnected from God, you're perishing. And we know this truth as a physical truth. We all feel that we're perishing, don't we? We all feel it. But the Bible says it's a moral truth. It's a spiritual truth as well. There's disconnection in our hearts. There's darkness in our hearts. Have you felt it? Earlier this year, I was, uh, I was in Poland. And uh, uh, a bunch of us decided to take the most harrowing day trip you could ever take. Uh, we went to Auschwitz. And uh, we were shown around this, this death camp. And, and, and the worst thing about the whole process was being shown the, just the, the, the military precision of this conveyor belt of evil and death. And I remember walking around that, that death camp and two thoughts kept coming to mind so strongly I had to actually voice them. I actually had to say them because they were just pressing up against my throat and I just had to say them under my breath. The two things, the first thing was, it's a mildly rude word, but I'm Australian so you'll forgive me, but I I just kept saying, you bastards. I just kept saying, you you bastards, you so-and-sos. It just kept coming, it just kept coming pointing the finger at the darkness out there. But another, another line just kept on coming. And I kept on saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And everyone else in our tour group had the same thoughts. We weren't trying to think these things. It's, it's just what happens when you see evil. You both say, that's wrong. That's evil. You so-and-so. You both point the finger and you raise the hand and you say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do you admit that about yourself, that there's darkness to yourself? That we're all perishing, that we're all disconnected from God, that we all live in this dysfunctional human family. That's our family. But here's the good news of Christmas. good news of Christmas is someone from a much better family has joined us in our family so that we can join him in his family. What's this other family? Well, Jesus is the Son of God. And he has always known his Father always rejoiced in his father in the joy of the Holy Spirit. Before there was a universe, there was a family. Did you know that? And Christmas celebrates the best about that family. What's the best thing about Christmas? The best thing about families is getting around, feasting joy, face-to-face relationships, that, that kind of community. According to the Bible, that's who our God is, our God is this loving family, a father loving his son in the joy of the Spirit. What is Christmas? The son from that family becomes flesh. That's, that's the, the verse from John chapter 1. He becomes flesh, becomes one of us, becomes our brother in every way. So that if we are brothers with him, then we get his father as our father. We get his spirit as our spirit. We get his future as our future. Now do you see why Christians sing joy to the world? In the midst of the valley of the shadow, in the midst of dysfunctional human living, we just raise our hand and we say, yeah, there's darkness out there and there's darkness in here, but Lord Jesus, you are light and I want to receive you. And that's what happens at Christmas. Christmas is the ultimate present. You know, when you look into the manger, imagine you see around the ankle of the baby Jesus, just a little gift tag, and it just says, from the Father to you to you for unto us a child is born for unto us the son of god is given he's given he's given to you 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 given to all of us to be received 
In a second, I'm just going to pray a prayer. And you might, you might want to receive the gift of Jesus this Christmas. You just might want to say a really simple, Jesus, yeah, I want you. I'm in the valley and I need help. I want you. And maybe you'd like to pray that kind of prayer. Maybe you're not ready to, to pray that kind of prayer. That's cool. We've got, we've got some services coming up, 10 a.m. Christmas morning. Come along, Christmas morning. Keep understanding more about Jesus. In the new year, there's a, there's a great new series that Rich and the others are, uh, are holding here on a Sunday morning. New year, new start. Is that right? New year, new start. Why don't you make your first New Year's resolution right now and say, I'm going to find out more about this Jesus. I'm going to find out more about this gift of the Son of God who, who comes into our family so I can be brought into his family. I want to I find out more. But will you not leave this place without deciding to do something about the gift of Christmas? Will you do something about the gift of Christmas? Maybe you'll receive the gift, or maybe you'll just pledge to yourself, you know what, I'm going to find out more. I'm going to keep searching. Will you do that this Christmas? In a second, I'm just going to pray a prayer. It's, it's actually, we've already just sung it. We, we, we sung, A Little Town of Bethlehem. The final verse of that, of that uh, song is actually a prayer. It says, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell, O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. I'm just going to pray that prayer in a second. And, uh, and maybe you'd like to echo it silently in your heart. Just a response to the gift of Christmas. Why don't we just bow our heads right now. And I'll just pray this prayer. And you might just want to echo this prayer and own it silently in your own heart. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to me, I pray. Cast out my sin. And enter in. Be born in me today. Oh, come to me. Abide with me. Our Lord Emmanuel. Amen. If you've prayed a prayer like that or you want to investigate further, please do see me for one of these blue books. I'd love to, to help you uh, to find out more about this Christmas gift. But thanks for listening.